0: Peculiar time of the year when to know where you are and why you have been kidnapped. Well, the bridge of so the guys who works here and with psycho welcome to October by May the short stories of Edward T. May presented by James Allen May. Welcome again on this What was true room still time Focus. you not, okay not face to My voice you shall the feeling okay? You look like you're completely tripping out. Did you even hear what I said? What do you mean it was just strange sounds? Did you take something before starting this podcast? Man, you gotta be careful. You wouldn't want to risk having a bad trip. I have heard some horror stories. Like, this one time, this guy named Darren wanted to spend Halloween night tripping on tish. You know, terror-inducing synthetic hallucinogen? You're not gonna believe what happened. He already met met girlfriend, did he? One, not him. a but Careful when strangers...
1: Hish. I'll do my best, Aaron, but I can't guarantee anything. Yeah, I know. So if, if I can get some, how many hits do you want? This stuff's pretty popular, so I'm thinking the most you'll be able to get is, like, maybe a dozen.
0: Get me as much as you can.
1: Okay. As soon as I hang up, I'll call my dealer. Do uh, you still have your key in the same place? Yeah. Then I'll just put them in your apartment if you're not there.
0: Yeah, that's great. I've got some things to do, so I probably won't be here.
1: Where do you want me to leave it?
0: What do they look like? The little squares of paper?
1: No, no, no. Uh, They put it in sugar cubes.
0: Then just put them in the sugar bowl I've got on the kitchen counter next to the sink. And if there's already some cubes in the bowl, make sure you take them out and throw them away. I definitely don't want them getting mixed up with the stuff you're bringing. Okay. (laughs) Later. Thanks, Erica. Darren closed his cell phone and slipped it inside his pocket. He walked toward the sliding glass doors leading to the inconsequential balcony attached to the apartment. The balcony was just large enough for Darren and his roommates to store their barbecue and bicycles and little else. Darren glanced outside and thought for a moment the rain had stopped. His eyes then traveled to the streetlight just outside the apartment, and he could see a light mist falling past the patch of light. The jack-o'-lanterns on the railing of the balcony sported a toothy grin, apparently unconcerned about the weather. There'll be plenty of parties tonight, Darren said aloud. Friday and Halloween. What a winning combination. More and more lights began filling windows as the university closed down for the day and the students went back to their dorms and apartments and rented houses. After a quick wrestling match with his hooded pullover, Darren stepped out into the dark and drizzle. He flipped the hood over his head and walked down the alley at a casual pace skirting the larger puddles, and jumping the smaller ones formed on the pocked surface. On reaching the mouth of the alley, he sprinted through the traffic on College Avenue. Huge oaks, elms, and maples brooded over the campus. Unfamiliar shadows thrived behind tree bowls and inside doorways. Other pedestrians, anonymous under their umbrellas and hoods, shuffled through the wet leaves pasted on the sidewalk as they hastened to their destinations. Darren quickened his pace as Pembry Hall came into sight between the chemistry and the foreign language buildings. Once inside Pembry Hall, Darren brushed the hood off his head and took the stairs two at a time up to the second floor. He found the door to Tina's room open. Tina, Darren's on-again-off-again girlfriend, and her roommate Sharon were lounging on their beds eating pizza.
2: Hey Darren, come on in, have some pizza.
0: Tina said cheerily. Oh, thanks. Maybe just one piece, just to be polite. Darren explained as he sat next to Tina and scooped a slice of pizza out of the box. You girls got anything going tonight?
2: We were just talking about that,
0: Sharon said.
2: There's going to be a big party on the third floor.
0: Sharon's voice had a distinct and unpleasant nasal quality.
2: Yeah, a costume party.
0: Tina added after swallowing a mouthful of pepperoni pizza and washing it down with a gulp of beer. Forget that noise. Darren scoffed. I've got a line on some Tish. I mean, what better way to spend a Halloween than. Some what? Tina said, crinkling her nose. Tish? Darren repeated. T-I-S-H? He persevered, spelling out the acronym. Tina could only shake her head. You mean you don't know?
2: Oh, I've heard of that stuff.
0: Sharon interrupted.
2: It's not a real word, Tina. Each of the letters, like, stands for something. Let me see. The T stands for, I think, terror. And then the I stands for inducing.
0: Synthetic hallucinogen, Darren finished impatiently. Terror inducing synthetic hallucinogen.
2: It's supposed to scare the hell out of you.
0: Sharon asserted knowingly. Yeah? Tina responded, still sounding dubious.
2: It was invented by, like, the army or something. See, they planned on putting the stuff in the enemy's drinking water. That way, they wouldn't have to rebuild the cities after they bombed the hell out of them like they did in Iraq. And there wouldn't be a lot of dead bodies lying around breeding disease. Ugh, They just drive the people insane for a day or so while they move in and take over. No way,
0: Tina chided. Way. Sharon assured her. Sharon looked to Darren to substantiate her story. Yeah, that's more or less how it got started, Darren affirmed. The army chemist found out how to give a person a bad trip 100% of the time. You always get a nightmare with this stuff. At least that's what they say. I think they also used it to torture prisoners.
2: And I want to try this because...
0: Tina asked incredulously, arching her eyebrows. Oh, come on, Tina, Darren argued. Everybody likes to get scared once in a while. Yeah? Tina challenged, in that sarcastic tone Darren was all too familiar with. It was particularly annoying when it was accompanied by a partial sneer, as it was at the moment. Sure, don't give me that innocent bit, Darren shot back. Didn't you see that new slasher flick last week?
2: I don't think seeing a two-hour low-budget predictably lame movie can compare with messing up your body chemistry for what, 12 hours? How do you know this stuff won't change your DNA or permanently mess up your mind?
0: Darren opened his mouth to reply and Tina cut him off. She didn't want the argument to escalate. She was reminded once more why Darren was an on-again, off-again boyfriend.
2: Why don't you just stay here and go to the party with us?
0: Darren shook his head. And pass up spending Halloween in a cemetery while tripping on a drug that guarantees hallucinations straight from hell. <laughs> no way, he said emphatically. Tina shrugged.
2: And in a cemetery, no less. Well, it's your funeral,
0: she punned. Besides, I don't have a costume, he muttered.
2: There'll be others without costumes.
0: Sharon chipped in. Ah, oh, what the hell? Darren relented. I'll stay for a little while. I've got to give Erica enough time to get the tish anyway. Great! Tina brightened.
2: You can watch TV till the party gets started. I'm going to go take a shower.
0: Darren nodded sullenly. He powered up the television and tuned it to a horror movie, one of many being broadcast during the course of the evening. He finished off the pizza crust the girls had left behind and scouted their refrigerator. He clawed aside the yogurt containers and diet soda cans until he found a lone beer lying on its side in the back. He unhesitatingly plucked the beer from the refrigerator, figuring Tina deserved to lose it for not going along with his idea, and returned to the movie. Darren could hear the girls scurrying along the hallway as they darted in and out of other rooms. Inevitably, screams and giggles would erupt as they modeled their costumes for their friends. Sometimes their screams of delight would coincide with the screams of terror coming from the movie on the television. Darren found the contrast unsettling. It brought his thoughts back to the tish He began pouting once again over Tina's attitude. He didn't want to experience the hallucinogen alone, but he would if he could find nobody willing to join him. It suddenly occurred to him there might be someone at the costume party unafraid of new experiences, someone a little more adventurous than Tina was. Darren turned off the television, closed the door as he left the room, and walked up the stairs to the party on the third floor. That's where he met Angie and Kirk. Angie was thin and cute, with straight, shoulder-length brown hair she always seemed to be brushing out of her eyes. She appeared innocent enough, yet Darren had the impression something wild and primitive lurked beneath the innocence, just waiting for the chance to show itself. He'd seen Angie around campus on numerous occasions, but the opportunity to speak with her had always eluded him. When he walked into the dorm room where the keg was placed and saw her standing all alone, drawing off a beer in a plastic cup, he didn't hesitate. How's it going? My name's Darren. Angie brushed the hair out of her eyes, smiled slyly, and extended a slim hand. Angie? Darren had a difficult time prying his eyes away from the impossibly tight jeans and the oh-so-small t-shirt. Nice to finally meet you, Darren said as he grabbed a cup from a stack sitting on top of the keg. What do you mean? Angie asked coyly. Well, I've seen you around, just never had the nerve to say anything.
1: Really? And why do you have the nerve now?
0: Had a few beers. I see. Angie said skeptically, sweeping a tress of hair away from her face. It's true, Darren assured her.
1: Now I'm curious what you're like when you've had more than a few beers.
0: Stick around long enough and you'll find out. By the way, where's your costume? Aren't you into Halloween?
1: Oh, I love Halloween. But it was kind of a last minute decision to come to this party. What about you? What's your
0: excuse? My excuse for what? Darren said, playing dumb.
1: For not having a costume.
0: Angie rolled her eyes in exasperation. Same as you.
1: So, since you didn't plan on coming here, what exactly did you have planned for this evening?
0: I'm glad you asked. Darren responded in a lowered voice and a conspiratorial wink. I was planning on spending it in the cemetery.
1: It's not a bad idea for a Halloween night.
0: Angie nodded approvingly.
1: But, is that it? I mean, you're going to sit in a cemetery by yourself and wait for a ghost or two to show?
0: Actually, I plan on making my own ghosts, Darren boasted. Angie frowned.
1: Sounds interesting. How exactly do you make a ghost?
0: This was it, the moment of truth. Darren would find out if his hunch about Angie was correct. Did she have something feral lurking beneath her innocent facade? Tish. Darren said simply. Angie's face suddenly went blank, expressionless, and Darren was sure he'd overplayed his hand. Then, ever so slowly, the corners of her mouth turned upward until that sly, knowing smile grew into full maturity. A flash of excitement shot through Darren like an electric shock. There was no telling where this evening could lead. And I'd rather not be by myself, Darren added, as coolly as possible.
1: Then you wouldn't mind some company?
0: I was hoping for some, he responded cavalierly, still lightheaded with excitement. At the same moment, Darren felt a presence behind him in the doorway. Kirk. Angie called.
1: This is Darren. Darren, this is Kirk.
0: Darren turned and, out of politeness rather than sincerity, shook hands with Kirk. Short and somewhat stout, there was nothing exceptional about Kirk's looks. This fact assuaged, to some extent, an immediate surge of jealousy on Darren's part.
1: Do you mind if Kirk comes along too?
0: Angie asked. Damn! Darren screamed inwardly, while trying his best to maintain a calm demeanor. Where to? Kirk wondered out loud, before Darren could respond.
1: Darren has a great idea. He's gonna take some tish and spend the night in the cemetery.
0: Angie said confidentially. No way! Kirk responded enthusiastically, as he turned to Darren. Angie and I were just talking the other day about how we wanted to try some tish. There's no time like the present, Darren forced himself to say with a smile.
1: Yeah, let's get going.
0: Angie said as she lifted her jacket off the back of a chair. Once outside, Kirk herded Angie and Darren into his car. At least we won't have to walk, Darren thought, the silver lining and all that crap. It was a short drive to Darren's apartment complex. Darren scrambled out of the back seat, leaving Angie and Kirk in the car and hurried inside his apartment. Once inside, he went immediately to the sugar bowl on the kitchen counter. Inside the bowl, he counted eight sugar cubes. He snatched three of them and quickly rejoined Angie and Kirk. After popping a cube into his mouth, Darren rationed the remaining sugar cubes and watched as Angie and Kirk consumed their cubes as well. They were all smiles. Where to? Kirk asked as he checked his watch. Darren issued directions to the cemetery as the wipers swished back and forth across the windshield. Five minutes later, they parked outside the cemetery gates. They climbed over the short, brick fence and wandered amidst the tombs, looking for a relatively comfortable place to settle in. How long does this stuff take to kick in? Kirk asked, glancing at his watch. If it's anything like LSD or mushrooms, it'll take, like, 20 or 30 minutes, Darren told him. How long ago did we take it? Kirk wanted to know. Six, eight minutes, I don't know, Darren said irritably, wondering about Kirk's obsession with the subject of time. They stood in the shelter of an old oak that still retained most of its leaves. The mist continued to fall. Darren shook out a cigarette out of its pack and poked it between his lips. Angie bummed one off of him, and they both started puffing away. Kirk peered at his watch then pulled a pint bottle of something out of the inside pocket of his jacket, put it to his lips, and tossed back a few hearty gulps. After smacking his lips in relish, he put the bottle away without offering any to either Angie or Darren, and then sneaked a quick look at his watch again. Darren began viewing Kirk out of the corner of his eye. Every few minutes, Kirk would pull his sleeve out of the way and peek at his watch. What the hell is his problem? Darren wondered. He must have, like a time fetish or something. Darren was still trying to figure out the relationship between Angie and Kirk. Were they current lovers? Ex-lovers? On again off again lovers? Never had been and never would be lovers? He was looking for little clues to pick up on, but they weren't offering many. I wonder what I'll look like, Kirk said to no one in particular. I mean after the tish kicks in and you guys start seeing stuff. I wonder what I'll look like to you.
1: You'll probably look like one of those wrinkly-faced dogs.
0: (laughs) Angie giggled. Darren couldn't fathom where Angie came up with such an absurd notion out of thin air. Must be a private joke or something, Darren thought. I'll bet you look like you just escaped from a circus sideshow or an alien or some damn thing. Kirk returned somewhat clumsily, apparently not too skillful at quick comebacks. Darren was secretly pleased by their exchange of taunts. He was hoping Kirk would become irritated to the point he would part company with Angie. Darren still wanted to spend some time alone with her. About twenty minutes after ingesting the sugar cubes, Darren noticed a subtle distortion. A portion of Kirk's face, a small area near his right cheekbone, appeared to sag and swim, almost as if a wax figure was beginning to melt. It was beginning. Darren turned his attention to Angie. Her facial features were naturally sharp, but now the sharpness was becoming exaggerated to a grotesque degree. As Darren watched, the ridge of her nose grew thinner with each blink of the eye. The other prominent bones in her face quickly followed suit. The transformation continued apace until her face resembled an artist's crude caricature sketch. Darren marveled at the strength of her skin. He expected any second to see the razor-thin bones come bursting through the attenuated flesh. Darren, sickened and fascinated at the same time, felt his heart pumping wildly. Darren looked back at Kirk. Both of Kirk's cheeks, as well as his forehead, were now drooping impossibly low. Darren waited breathlessly for the entire facial mass to slide off and reveal the bones beneath. But it didn't. The skin and flesh somehow managed to hang on, defying gravity. The skin from Kirk's forehead was draped well over his eyes, prompting Darren to wonder how he could see anything. When Kirk moved his head, the skin on his face didn't wiggle and flap like it should, considering how loose it was hanging. It moved slowly, as if it existed in a thicker atmosphere than the rest of Kirk's body. Darren found the effect singularly disconcerting. Darren had taken LSD in the past and was familiar with synesthesia, the apparent cross-circuiting between sensory inputs. He was accustomed to watching a person speak and then seeing a flash of color in place of a word. Darren assumed Tish did not subject the user to that particular phenomenon. However, he suspected there existed an auditory component to the hallucinatory experience of Tish. Kirk's voice was lower, and the sound waves seemed to labor through the air. As though making passage through a thick liquid, in a strange way, it matched Kirk's facial distortion. Angie's voice, on the other hand, possessed the characteristics of a violin bow drawn quickly across the strings, interspersed with a high-pitched piping. As with Kirk, Angie's voice seemed to be well paired with her painfully sharp facial features. Too much. Angie said approvingly to Darren, each word impacting on his eardrum like the thrust of an ice pick.. Is Darren involuntarily shivered as she turned her gaze on him. Her eyes were slits filled with blue, the color not confined to the iris but filling the entire eye socket. Darren thought it a peculiar shade of blue, like staring into the depths of polar ice. Too so much, she added with a wink. Darren could only bring himself to nod. Yeah, it's sick. Kirk agreed in his syrupy voice. Hey, what do I look like? Angie laughed, a nail scratching shiny new sheet metal. Darren winced.
1: You look like one of those wrinkly-faced dogs!
0: She teased.
1: Just like I knew you would!
0: She brought her hand up, covering her mouth to stifle further laughter. Darren shuddered at the sight of her bony, thin fingers and blackened nails resembling raptor talons. Her mouth slit, the edges carelessly basted in lipstick, as thin and red and wet as a self-inflicted knife wound administered with little or no passion. You look like a genetic experiment gone wrong, Kirk taunted in return the sentence seeming to take minutes to transmit. Way wrong. Kirk accompanied his statement by pointing a finger at Angie. His phalanges were reduced to absurd dimensions. His hands seemed all knuckles. Small rocks stacked atop each other and covered over with skin. Kirk's eyes, what Darren could see of them under the flapping skin of his forehead, were pools of pitch. No color, no reflection, nothing.
1: Darren doesn't
0: think so. Angie sniffed.
1: Darren, am I as attractive as I've always
0: been? Yeah. We all know what Darren wants from you. Like he's going to risk not getting it by telling you what you really look like. Give me a break.
1: Hey, I've got an idea. Let's go into one of those.
0: Angie suggested with childlike simplicity. Pointing at one of the small family mausoleums.
1: You know, just and sit down for a while. our imaginations run wild. will be black
0: as hell in there. <laughs> That's not a bad idea, Kirk agreed. A bit too readily, it seemed to Darren. How about it, Darren? Darren shrugged. Yeah, sure, sounds good. We came here to get scared. I just don't know how we'll get in. That's not a problem, Kirk said as he pulled something out of his pocket. Darren watched as Kirk placed something, he assumed a lockpick tool of some kind, in the door of the nearest mausoleum and began jiggling it. Soon the door swung open. Angie squealed with delight in unison with the squeaky hinges. She pulled a cigarette lighter out of her pocket and flicked a flame into being. Darren didn't like where the evening was headed. He didn't like it at all but he convinced himself his paranoia was a byproduct of the tish, and, as he had said, they came to the cemetery to get scared. Angie waved Darren forward, then turned and led the way with her cigarette lighter. Darren wanted desperately to be the last inside, thus closest to the door, but Kirk lingered over the lock, as if the tool refused to be extracted. Darren knew it was all show. The jiggling of the tool in the lock, the frustrated muttering. It was all a pretense, so he, Kirk, could be the last one inside. And Darren hated him for it. Damn. Angie called from the darkness. Be next to me. Darren, knowing it would make a bad impression if he hesitated any longer, entered reluctantly. Kirk immediately followed and closed the door behind him. The mausoleum was constructed to hold only one occupant. The three of them lined up along the wall opposite the stone coffin. Darren was granted only a quick glimpse of the interior before Angie extinguished the flame, leaving them in darkness. Total darkness. Darren felt trapped. The icy tendrils of claustrophobia began sprouting and spreading their poison. Afraid of his reaction should his hands suddenly touch something unfamiliar, he thrust them into the pocket of his hooded pullover. He tried his best to control the panicky sensation by getting mad, mad at anything, mad at everything. It didn't matter what, it just had to take his mind off his situation. He raged at Tina for not wanting to try Tish, at himself for wanting to take Tish, at Erica for getting him the Tish, at Angie for inviting Kirk along. And Kirk for lagging behind so he could be the last inside, at himself for letting Kirk be the last inside. He tried to keep the fear at bay by focusing his thoughts on his physical discomfort, the cold, his damp clothing, the increasing tension in his bladder, anything. Darren made sure, upon entering the mausoleum, to leave about a foot of space on either side of him so he wouldn't be touching Kirk or Angie. Initially, He was successful in his efforts to avoid contact with either one. But soon, he felt Angie's arm against his. Earlier in the evening, Darren had been excited by the thought of being with Angie, of touching her. He remembered how upset he'd been when Angie had invited Kirk along. Now he was repelled at the idea of being in such close proximity to her. Darren edged away from her, hoping he wasn't being too obvious, and regained a buffer zone. Darren couldn't be sure, but he thought he heard Angie snicker. After a few seconds, he felt Kirk's shoulder nudge him. Darren inched back toward Angie, and immediately came up against her. Kirk moved closer still, until he too was touching Darren. Once again, Darren thought he heard what might have been a hastily suppressed giggle. They're doing this on purpose, Darren thought. They're trying to freak me out, and they're doing a damn good job. Darren found himself firmly wedged between Kirk and Angie. Kirk began breathing audibly. Short, quick inhalations and short, husky exhalations, almost like the panting of a dog. At least, Darren thought it was breathing. Then again, maybe it was some weird sort of laugh. Darren could feel the little puffs of air on the side of his face, meaning Kirk was not staring straight ahead. Rather, for some bizarre reason, Kirk was looking directly at Darren. From his previous experience with hallucinogens, Darren knew the element of time was greatly distorted. It seemed the same thing was happening now. He was sure at least 30 minutes had elapsed since the trio had entered the tomb, yet when he illuminated his watch, he found only five minutes had ticked off. Darren refused to ask the two to back off he wasn't about to give them the satisfaction of letting them know it bothered him. Although how long he could carry on in this fashion, he wasn't at all sure. Scary, huh? Even at a whisper, Angie's voice amounted to little more than a controlled screech. Yeah, Darren managed to mutter. As cold as he was, Darren began to feel the hot, prickly sensation of sweat forming in his armpits. Angie's lips suddenly brushed past his ear, like the sweep of Raven's wings. He envisioned her tongue quickly flicking in and out of her mouth in reptilian fashion.
1: I'll stay close to you. I know that you'll protect me from whatever.
0: She said, laying heavy emphasis on the word protect in a mocking manner. At the smell of her breath, Darren was nearly overcome with a wave of nausea. He manfully clenched his teeth and managed to regain his senses. The odor was so disgusting, it simply couldn't be real. It had to be an olfactory hallucination. At least, that's what he told himself. He choked back a scream as he felt one of Angie's taloned, skeletal hands slither into his back pocket. She must have sensed his negative reaction.
1: What's the matter? Isn't this what you wanted?
0: Darren remained silent.
1: Get it? The beer's wearing off now, so you're a shy guy again. You just need a few more
0: beers to get up the nerve to talk, right? (laughs) Then came the silence. The minutes, crippled by fear, inched along on broken legs. Not a word was said. Not a sound was heard. No rustle of clothing. No nervous shuffling of feet. No sound of breathing. It was an auditory void. It gave new meaning to the phrase, silent treatment. Darren almost hoped Angie's screeching voice would bring an end to it all. Almost. It was the silence that nearly sent Darren into the deserts of the human mind. He had to admit, he'd gotten more than he'd bargained for. Never before had he experienced fear of such magnitude. It was enervating, poisonous. It began biting off chunks of sanity. Darren couldn't hear Kirk breathing any longer, but he could feel puffs of breath on the side of his face. Kirk wanted him to know he was still staring at him. It's still, modern Kirk. Angie suddenly hissed. How the hell did she know? it? Darren flinched as a ringtone cut off his thoughts. He cursed audibly, then struggled briefly as he extracted the phone from the wet pocket of his jeans in the darkened, cramped quarters of the mausoleum. What? He snarled, making no attempt to hide the irritation in his voice, angry with the caller for startling him, angrier still with himself for allowing the call to startle him.
1: Darren, hey, it's Erica. I'm... Really sorry about the tish. I tried three different sources, but I just couldn't make it happen. Hope it didn't ruin your Halloween.
0: <laughs> now that whatever you took before the podcast seems to have worn off, Head over to the October by May Instagram to learn more about this episode's voice actors. I was so happy to have them as they are all very talented artists and you should check out what each of them is up to on their own time. From screen actors, stage singers, writers, sketch comedians, filmmakers and voiceover pros, there's a wide variety of talent within that group. Check them out and show them some love. Erica, played by Taya Pat. Tina Played by Hilary Mayberger. Sharon, played by Jackie Grabois. Angie, played by Christina Cole. Kirk, played by David May. Once again, I'm James Allen May, and I want to thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of October by May. October by May is a bi-weekly podcast with new episodes every other Tuesday. So, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single sojourn into October. Please leave us a rating and review, as well as any comments or replies that you may have for us. Also, visit us at OctoberByMay.com for more info, as well as links to the books by Edward T. May. Tish by Edward T. May. Recitation and Audio Design by James Allen May. Theme by Hassan Nazari Rabadi.